Okay, let's, let's pray together and ask God to meet us. We're going to have the Morocco team share. And um, I'm praying, I'll just tell you, I, I'm praying that God will, will use their sharing to accomplish a couple different things. Um, one is that all of us will thank the Lord for whoever shared the gospel with us because we're going to be talking about a group of people who up until a few years ago had no access to the gospel at all. So we'll thank Jesus for the fact that we had somebody share the gospel with us. That's one. Secondly, that we will all, all of us here who know and love Jesus, will hear his call to either be goers or senders for the cause of missions. Third, some of you will be called distinctly and specifically by the Holy Spirit to go to Morocco next year because Lord willing we're going to be sending another team so that Right now, today, Holy Spirit will come and you will be called to go. And then fourth, I'm praying that some of you will be called today to make this your life career, to go to an unreached people group, to live there, to learn their language, to go through all the cultural adjustments and all the risk that's involved for the sake of bearing the good news of Jesus to people who otherwise would never hear the gospel. All order. That's what I'm praying for. So let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would do this by your Holy Spirit. It's so easy to get comfortable and complacent and just to think that everybody in the world has access to the gospel. I pray that you would wake us up in fresh ways right now to the fact that that is not the case and that you would break our hearts for people who will not hear the gospel unless somebody crosses major cultural barriers to take it to them. Lord, I pray that you'd call some here today to go long term. I pray that you'd call some today to go to Morocco short term next year. I pray that you'd call us all to to join in a more intentional way to your your, your cause of missions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to hear from the Morocco team in a moment. And uh, this, is, this is a big old celebration for us as a church because they had a powerful time and I wanted them to share in great detail. But we've all been involved. Some of you fasted and prayed as they were gone and that was a costly investment. Many of you gave financially in, and this is in a tough time economically, so that's sacrificial, that's, that's costly, that's investment. And so it's a big win for all of us to celebrate um, what God did there. But before I have them come up and share, I wanted to take a couple of minutes and give you some background for why we have the focus that we do here at Mercy Hill Church on unreached people groups. Look at Revelation chapter 7. It's up here on the screen, or it will be, I trust. Revelation 7, 9 through 11. Um, It's a picture that John, it's a vision John gets of heaven at the end of history. And this verse and others like it in the book of Revelation and, and Matthew 24, 14 also, these are verses that have shaped and molded our understanding and conviction of what God especially is concerned about right now. There it is, Revelation 7. Here's what John saw. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before God the Father, And before the Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus, clothed in white robes, that's 
the righteousness that Jesus works in our hearts with palm branches in their hands, which is a picture of acclamation, of praise and blessing bestowed. So here's this great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, language, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now there's lots we could talk about from this verse. I want to focus on one truth. God has determined to save men and women from every culture, language, race, ethnicity. You see that here? Revelation 5, we read that Jesus purchased with his blood men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Jesus purchased them on the cross. Here's the picture at the end of history. In heaven, men and women from every nation, tongue, and tribe are there saved. God has determined to save men and women from every nation, every tongue, every culture, every ethnicity, every tribe. Did you realize that? That's part of God's plan. God is passionate about cultures, languages, ethnicities. He loves everyone. There will be people saved from everyone. The sobering reality, though, when you ponder that, is that today there are still at least 6,000 distinct people groups, ethno-linguistic people groups, who have no access to the gospel. Over 6,000 of them today. No access to the gospel. That means there's no Bible in their language. That means there's no church in their culture. That means there's no Christians who are in their culture speaking their language. Over 6,000 groups with a population, I get this, you know, there's 6 billion people in the world. The population of these 6,000 unreached people groups is about 2.7 billion. Unreached. Where if somebody doesn't cross cultural barriers, they will never hear the gospel. Let's go to the next slide. I want to show you where they live. See that red area? That's where these people live. All right. So the dark red, no no connection with the gospel. Pink is very little. That's called the 1040 window for 10 latitude, 40 latitude. I forget which one's which, top and bottom. But that's the, the 1040 window right there. Now we have, we support a couple right there, right? That's the Avaris, okay? And then Morocco and Al Hosema are right there, okay? You see that? But see, this is the area. A number of reasons why these people are unreached. It's risky to go there. These aren't fun places to live. Uh, that's probably, that's kind of a crass way of putting it. They're hard places to live. It's risky to go. They're hard places to live. Um, it's illegal to do missions work. It's, it's illegal to become a Christian. Lots of costs. But Jesus Christ is worth it all. He is worth any cost. Nobody will stand before Jesus in heaven and wish we hadn't incurred as much cost. No one will. So that brings up a particular group of people called the Reef Berbers in Morocco. Okay? 1.7 million of them. Right along the Mediterranean coast there, there's the, 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 uh, the Reef 
mountains there and the Berber people, a distinct reef Berber people group, 1.7 million, distinct language, distinct culture, distinct tribes, a distinct unique people group. And as of six years ago, there were very few reef Berber believers. There had been a team of missionaries working for a number of years, slowly making inroads. Very few believers. But then a massive earthquake hit. How many years ago, Nicole? Five years ago, okay. Five years ago, a massive earthquake hit, destroying thousands of homes. Let's get the next, next picture up. You can just get a little picture, okay? So there's, this is taken right there. This is earthquake damage. There's some reef Berber women, it looks like. And because of the damage, the government gave tents to everybody. That's all that they did. But they also opened up the door for um, this, this team of missionaries to send people in from other countries to clear rubble and to do rebuilding. And this has been an amazing opening for the gospel. Because teams like ours who don't speak Reef Berber can go. Reef Berber men help with the work when Muslim, this is a Muslim people group by the way, when they come and say, why are you here? The Reef Berber believers can share the gospel which the team has opened the door for the sharing. Do you see that? The team can't share the gospel to Reef Berber people. They don't speak the language. But the Reef Berber believers can, the few of them that there are. And their being there opens the door, opens the questions to be raised. So we've had the privilege of joining many other churches and sending teams. And we've sent four teams. This is the fourth. And now there's a small underground church of 30 to 40 men in this area. And women are being saved. The first baptism for women. There's all kinds of cultural dynamics between men and women that that, that the people are negotiating there. But the first women are on the brink of being baptized, which is fantastic. But so that's what we're up to. That's why at Mercy Hill, we feel God has called us to focus our efforts on unreached people groups because of this vast need, 6,000 groups. And so I'm praying that we'll be able to send some of you out long term to go live in some very difficult places and take big old huge risks for the glory of Jesus Christ to have the joy of bringing the gospel. I tell you, I had the privilege of being in Morocco the first trip we went before the earthquake. And it was astonishing to be in a, in a country where there's just no gospel. And that these people will never hear the gospel unless people take risks to bring it to them. It's heartbreaking and envisioning and capturing. And so I hope that as the team comes and shares, the Holy Spirit will be working in our hearts and stir us up. So how are we going to do this, Jerry? You got an order picked out? I'll just give a very short introduction. Um, from your Morocco team and from the uh, full-timers in the reef, we say, Salam Alaikum, which is a greeting. And we also say, Shokran, which is thank you. Um, thank you for your prayer support. We, wow, it went wonderful. We, uh, we felt your prayers and we needed your prayers and we were blessed by your prayers. We thank you for your financial support. And we were all so blessed, and we pray that in our, as we share what happened over there, that you will be blessed uh, by proxy, okay? But uh, I think Paul said it best in Philippians. He said, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in... Not Paul, he always wrote such good stuff. <laughs> Do not count others, yourself more, uh, more important than others. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interest of others. And that is what has got their attention over there. So I would like uh, to start out with the Marsh family, Steve and Sue and Nicole. And as they come forward, I will sit down. Well, I have to say the Morocco experience, uh, it was just amazing. It was a lot bigger than going on the trip. And as I stop and I look and see how God was able to use all of the activities that we were involved in and what he could do with it was beyond my imagination. If I was thinking, how could I do a great work in the world for God, it, is, it pales compared to what God was actually able to do. And, it, and to see what the ministry going on there, uh, it just could not have been planned by man. It was an opportunity that God set up and is just taking over. Uh, in, in Matthew, uh, Jesus shares with us that we're to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and give praise to our Father in heaven. And that's exactly what this ministry is, is we don't speak the reef language. We couldn't communicate with words. But by our presence being there, that is just a vital part of this ministry because these people are just constantly saying, why are you people traveling halfway around the world to help us out? And that is just so striking in that culture. And these people are just amazed. And they constantly, in their testimonies that uh, they shared with us, were passing that on. But in the early part when we were meeting in preparation for going on the trip, Jerry shared the importance of having senders. And we were, at least in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you know, you know here we have to go raise our support, and it's kind of like a, a solo thing. And Jerry goes, no, 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 that's just part of it. It's this people sending. It's a whole effort. And so we trusted him, and as he was thanking you for being senders, Uh, I just have to let you know is in the lead up to the trip and on the trip, I felt your prayers. I just felt like we were shielded. And uh, again, how well things went, and it's a complicated effort to get a group across the country, and especially with a young child, and everything went so, so well, and that's just the power of prayer. But the surprise was when we sent out our letters uh, looking for support, we took Jerry at his word and said, okay, we're supposed to have lots of senders. So we sent it out to our entire list. And so that's, uh, you know, our holiday, our Christmas card list. It's our neighbors, our families, and to my clients in business. And lots of our contacts are not believers. And I was touched and amazed at how many people responded financially and just with encouragement. Uh, There's this one couple that we haven't seen in person for, I think, 10 years, and they've sent a very generous donation. And then there's other people in business who uh, supported us financially that just, I, I, I was in shock when we heard that their check came in. And, and then the people were calling and discussing this, and it was an opportunity as, as being a business person to let people know that I'm a believer and that you know, we're doing something uh, for God. And then even when we returned, it's the, the first day we were back, we were getting calls and people saying, Steve, how'd the trip go? And they want to hear all the details. And so it just opened up 
dozens and dozens of opportunities to share with people I would not have had that opportunity to share with. So uh, it was just an amazing opportunity. So I'm going to turn it over to uh, Sue and Nicole to tell their parts. This is Nicole's part, but um, going halfway around the world is no problem if you're 12, apparently. But speaking in front of the church is a big issue. (laughs) She had, um, Jerry stole her verse, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And I just, as her mom, want to say that she was definitely a servant. Uh, She had to work very hard, as you can see. Um, She had a lot of uh, child care duties as well. And so she had to work and keep an eye on Holden sometimes. Um, And she got to learn all kinds of new skills. But um, she had a real gift um, and a real opportunity to meet with many children there um, who flocked to her. And uh, she had just an incredible ministry with that. Um, And apparently we'll be going back again, whether any of the rest of you want to go or not. (laughs) Um, She had... She had a little uh, three-year-old there in the picture who was um, trying to get her scarf correctly fitted on Nicole because she was worried that Nicole would not find a good husband. Um, so, and this is uh, another friend, Subeha, who she did some cooking with and picked beans with and did a bunch of other chores with. And uh, we also had were blessed to uh, watch the children. I said it was like United Nations Assembly one day. A couple days um, because the American women who are workers there are trying to have a study with some Moroccan women and there were a lot of children and uh, a few spoke English but most did not and we had about three or four languages I think but uh, Nicole figured out how to handle that and uh, speak to them even though she didn't have any particular language skills but she picked up quite a few words. Um, For me um, the This is Nicole being very excited because her passport came. And I just want to tell all of you little people in the front row here that, you know what? If a 12-year-old wants to go to Morocco, she is going, and the Lord will move her parents' hearts. Because (laughs) I had no interest in going to Morocco. First, I said she maybe could go. She could maybe have a passport. And I didn't have a passport on purpose, so so God couldn't ask me to go anywhere. <laughs> and you don't you think I'm kidding. Um, but she was very persistent for two years. She was sitting over there nudging me every time it, there was any mention of it in the church, and she was determined to go. Um, a verse that Cindy Garcia shared with me at Women's Connection before we left became kind of like my theme verse, and that was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Because I quite honestly could not see myself doing this and I didn't see myself having any particular um, construction or building skills and so I just didn't see how I was going to fit in but I took crocheting and knitting with me and that opened a lot of doors to the women there they understood what crocheting was and um, we made a whole ton of what Nicole has called little hair fluffs that's a baby blanket I'm doing there but because um, there are two of the women that live in the house that host us that are Moroccan women that are pregnant. And um, we did a whole bunch of um, little hair, hair fluffs, hair doodahs, even for the little people, and because all the women have to wear their hair up and covered all the time, and most of them have very long hair. So this was 
um, a very fun thing that they were hiding under their scarves, but um, was in great, great demand. And I also wanted to echo Steve by saying that I appreciate so much the position of senders. I was always a sender, and I don't think I took that very seriously. I didn't um, know the importance of it. And I would have never stepped out on this if I didn't know that there were many of you were praying and fasting for us the whole time that we were there. And Brian, um, Brian is sort of our um, our wild card because he was he was traveling solo with us, but <laughs> but it's the strong silent types that are that always have all the the interesting stuff that happened to them. <laughs> wow, that's quite an introduction. That was quite an introduction. I'm going to go to this first. I think for this picture here, we should have a, a, a contest to see who can come up with the best caption. I think our working one right now is don't quit your day jobs. But we'll, we'll be taking votes later. <laughs> but um, seriously, um, it was uh, really just an amazing experience to go. And, um, you know, before I went, I mean, it was, it was kind of exciting, I think, a, a, an adventure to go on. But, you know, what was the importance of going as opposed to just sending money? It obviously cost a lot for us all to go out there. So wouldn't, you know, you could, could argue, and some people have touched on this already, wouldn't it just be better to, to send the money so we could build more houses? Um, but after going there, I think there's really, you know, uh, at least three, if not more, really good reasons why not. Uh, the first, I think, what really struck me going there, um, one of the things they talked about was, you know, after the earthquake, a lot of organizations all over the world sent a lot of money to the to the area. And really, the, the Friends of the Reef, the group that we were with, um, is the only one still there. There's a lot of half-completed projects. A lot of money can be sent. But uh, unless there's follow-on and, and people continuing to stay interested years after, it maybe isn't the best. So that's on a, on a purely practical level. Uh, secondly, just for the people there, I mean, that's really, as Steve mentioned, the, the main reason why... I think it is effective for us to be there. Just that, you know, all the people are asking, why are you here? Why would you come halfway around the world to help me build a house? That's, that's the first thing that the guy said to us, that uh, Hamed, who we spent most of our time there. And also, it's just amazing to hear that all the testimonies we got to hear, at least uh, six testimonies from Moroccan believers that have come to know Christ through this effort. And each and every one of them said, you know, it was really those Christian builders that came. It's like, well, why are they here? Well, they're, they're building houses. What? That's just, you know, that's amazing. Why would people do that? Um, made them ask questions and, and wanted to be like it. Um, I think it's almost kind of a worry. It, it seems, uh, you know, when they, we talk about the, the Christians that have come, they, they, I think, have us up on a, on a pedestal almost where it's like, they're just they're just really good people, and I just I think uh, something for prayer that um, the missionaries, the full time missionaries there say is, you know, eventually, uh, unfortunately, the Christians we're, we're going to let them down sometime, and, and hopefully they're, you know, we can pray that their faith will be strong enough. But in the meantime, uh, that was quite something to live up to. Uh, and thirdly, I think just as an experience for me, um, you know, uh, I think maybe like like many of you, the thought of evangelism or, or, or doing anything like that is kind of a scary, scary thing. So to be in a place where we obviously stood out, it was obvious why we were there. It made it very easy to um, say that I'm, you know, we're the Christians. We're here to build. We're we're here to to display God's word. There was no no hiding who we were. Where. You know, back here, I think the tendency is to, to kind of hide, to not, not stick out at all. 
Um, so that's been, I think, a great challenge for me. And also, like uh, like Steve was mentioning, it's been a great opportunity just for, I mean, I've had more opportunities to share my faith um, through this than I have, you know, in all my years working with, with lots of people who aren't believers. Just, you know, why would you go to Morocco? Well, let me tell you why, because I went with my church group, and it's something very important to us to, to help people all over the world. Um, so... It was a really amazing experience, and actually it was a lot of fun, too. I don't know if that's okay to say, but we had a really good time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I think that, that's it for me. So we'll let the Mancinis come up now. Hi. So, um, salam alaikum. Um, I just wanted to start by thanking you all for your prayers, too, because um, we could really tell that the two things you were praying for a lot is that Holden would travel well and that nobody would get sick. And that is totally what happened. God answered those prayers and lots more. So I wanted to thank you for that. Um, The first thing that everybody asks me about is how did Holden do? Um, And he did great. It was like a child's paradise. He could ride donkeys, chase chickens, pick up rocks, which was actually useful. Um, He picked flowers. He got to be outside all day. There were lots of other kids around. Um, There were five kids under the age of three um, in and around the house that we were staying at. Um, So he just had a great time. and he also loves Nicole. Um, I think the biggest challenge of doing this trip with him was obviously, you know, before I went, I was thinking, how am I going to build a house with a not quite two year old running around? And, um, you know, God just provided a lot of good answers to that. One of them was Nicole and the rest of the team. He bonded to everybody, he could tell you all their names if you ask. Um, and we just kind of took turns with him and took turns working. And um, also a couple of times I put him on my back uh, while we were whitewashing and stuff, which is something that they do there so they could identify with that, with working with your baby on your back. Um, but we spent a lot of time just hanging out with the ladies there, um, which is something that I want you ladies to know if you're thinking about going. Um, apparently when they first started doing this, they just had men go because they could build. And, but this culture is so gender segregated that the women could not interact at all. They would kind of peek around corners and the missionaries could tell that they wanted to be involved. So um, they said, you know, women should start coming now too. So um, it was it was totally worth it to go just to sit and drink tea with the ladies because it meant a lot to them. And um, they just loved getting to see us and try to talk to us and help us cook bread and um, when all else failed we could watch Holden because he was interesting. (laughs) Moroccans love kids. They just, everywhere we went, you know, they wanted to give him candy and stuff and I had to kind of um, let go of some of my American caution about that stuff so he knows about a lot more chocolate and things like that than he used to. (laughs) Um, But besides the traveling with Holden thing, which was great. Um, I just wanted to talk about what a unique um, opportunity this is. I've been, I've traveled a lot. I've uh, been around the Middle East and I've been on a few different missions trips and I've never seen anything like this. This is like what you read about in the missions magazine. This is the goal of 
missions is to have the kind of thing that's happening in Morocco. Um, because there's a real church of Muslim background believers, and it was incredible to see. Um, they have there, I, I figured it out, it's a perfect unity of physical need, spiritual hunger, and a certain amount of political freedom there. Um, it's illegal to be a Christian, it's illegal to proselytize, but um, because the work that they're doing is so good and so helpful, and because the government of Morocco is not real keen on interfering in the reef. Um, thank you. <laughs> they, they just kind of look the other way and let this go on as it is, and that's great. Um, also, I think when there's a physical need, like these people are so needy, and um, particularly they need houses, um, that's a real good opportunity. I think people are more open when they're needy. Um, and that's really challenged me to look for more needs around me here um, that I can meet to help to spread the gospel. And then there's also a lot of spiritual hunger um, because even though Islam is the official religion, um, a lot of people don't... In Morocco, they don't really know what it is. Like, I've been to Egypt, and a lot of people know a lot more about Islam, and there's a lot of people that stop and do the prayers and stuff. In Morocco, it's not that way at all, especially in the reef, at least. Um, it's just kind of this religion that's been forced on them or whatever. And they, um, a lot of the people we heard testimonies from, they had interacted with people who were supposed to be really holy Muslims, you know, who'd been to, the, to Mecca on the pilgrimage and everything. Um, and it just didn't show in their lives. And they see the difference in Christians' lives because we come halfway around the world um, to care for them. And so that leads to the verse I wanted to read from James. Um, James 2.22. You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. Um, and I think that going to Morocco is the perfect opportunity to merge good works with your faith and uh, that is really what shows the difference between Christianity and Islam so Ben's turn that was my turn yeah well uh, I guess Holden doesn't get a turn he wanted to talk all about all the trucks and cars and airplanes that he saw she say Melody truck? Do you remember that? Melody, Melody, Melody. Remember Melody? Melody, <laughs> Melody. Who else? You had fun hanging out with Nicole and Sue and Steve and Brian and Dee Dee and Jerry, right? Dee Dee, Dee Dee. Okay, so there I am. I'm digging. Uh, I'm not exactly. Uh, the kind of guy who does real good at that kind of stuff. But I did it. There, you could see both Holden and I were pretty wiped out after that day. Um, I said I would talk about all the guys that we worked with because there are a lot of Moroccan guys. I mean, only one of them really spoke English. But um, it was really cool how much we bonded, I think, with these guys. And if the picture is going to change... There's two of them right there. That's Smalls. He's really cool. He just got married. He doesn't speak English. The other guy is, uh, his name's Mohammed, but we call him Rebar because everybody's name is pretty much Mohammed. It's like Joe. So you have to have <laughs> nicknames. 
that guy in the middle is Habib, and he's really cool. I'll tell you about him in a second. That guy is Joey, the white guy, and then Smalls again. Habib was actually like a drug dealer, and he got like stabbed a couple times and was like really messed up. And then when the earthquake happened, he was living in a tent for like three years, and his family was all rich. He had like six brothers that were all working in Europe, and they wouldn't help him. <laughs> he was living in a tent. And so they, uh, the Friends of the Reef built him a house, and now he's a believer, and it's really cool. That guy right next to Smalls there is actually an imam who just got baptized while we were there. That's pretty amazing, huh? And that is... And this guy, Jamal, holding up another worker, Mustafa, holding up Holden. <laughs> they all really loved Holden. I mean, they love kids there. But um, those guys in particular like playing around with them. Mustafa was uh, 15, and both he and his brother had come from the south to this area and were working with them, and both were um, really seriously embracing. That's his brother right there in the gray sweatshirt. Yusef is his brother. Yusef and Mustafa, they are cool guys. And um, they didn't speak too much English, but, you know, we, we kind of figured it out. I really felt, like, comfortable with them, you know? We hung out with them. They did a Bible study. That's Tuhami right there. He's really good at um, cement and rocks and stuff. They're building the foundation. I went to this uh, Bible study. I mean, it was all in Arabic, so I didn't understand anything, but... It was really cool how, you know, serious they were about it. It was really different. Like Bonnie was saying, really different from a lot of stuff I've seen. That's the guy that we um, built the house for, or at least uh, most of the time we worked on that guy's house. His name's Hamid, kind of like Mohammed again. And those are two of his sons. What a great guy. He was so thankful. He was just always wanted to shake our hands, loved holding to you like everybody. And... uh you know, really thankful. I mean, because they were living in like this mud temporary hut that they had built, and they were really excited about getting a house. What a great guy, too. Oh, and my time is up. So, Dee Dee was a great worker and uh, didn't want didn't want to come at first because she was scared of the bugs, but she did great. So. Come on up. There were bugs. There were scorpions. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, this is all very exciting. Um, as you can tell, it's kind of hard to paraphrase all the experiences we had because there were so many. And But one of the experiences that I'll never forget is meeting a woman named Melody who is a very important part of what God is doing over there. This is her official role. She is the administrative coordinator for the groups, plans logistics with group leaders, coordinates tourist shopping and weekend trips. While I was there, the second day, she invited me to go on a trip with her into town with an 11-year-old little girl who had been diagnosed with diabetes and then found out later she also has some kidney problems. And um, uh, she, with her mom, and she picked me up that morning with a car a truck actually she has a truck that has a seat in back and then the back full of people <laughs> sitting on each other's laps <laughs> and everything and that's just how she is she just picks people up takes them where they need to go and um uh she takes there's three 
three uh, women and children that she's working with right now that she takes down into the village, which is 20 miles away from where they live, and she takes them to the doctors or the clinics and uh, gets them all the medical care that they need, and um, which also entails driving them back and forth all the time. She's always she's like a taxi cab, and we jokingly call her a social worker <laughs> now. And her role, she ha- now has this other role added to what she already does. She is an amazing, amazing woman. And God has given her um, a tremendous amount of favor. Everywhere we went, people were just so open and receptive to her. And obviously, they know who she is. But it, it was just really something to be a part of that. And there was an, also another woman... Um, Frida, what's it, or I'm lost, yeah, Farida, who was discovered by Willie and Gretchen, who were working on a house next door to hers, and they found out that she was crawling around on her floor of her house. She'd broken her ankle, and uh, her husband had deserted her and her two small children because she got sick, and her when they found her, her ankle was so swollen out of proportion and she was in a lot of pain and very, very sick. So Melody um, took on the task of taking her back and forth to the doctors. They found out she has uh, TB of the bone. And um, now, nine months later, she's been having treatment. And she's doing very well. And we all had, all of us women had opportunities to um, interact with her and spend time with her. And she's now living with her, her um, mother and sisters. Um, let's see. Um, okay, most important, um, I think, I don't remember who touched on this, but the last six weeks, Melody and Danny started the first ever Bible study on Fridays, and um, there's uh, three women that live in the house, three wives that live in the house that we stayed in, uh, the housekeeper and two women of, that they had built houses for, that are coming to this Bible study, and they're all very open and receptive. And someone else mentioned too the dilemma of baptizing the women because the men can't touch them, but I'm sure they'll figure out something. So it was. I'm just so thankful that I had the opportunity to go, and one of a very meaningful time for me was when we had gone to the first job site. Look, it's, it was beautiful, gorgeous there at the time. And uh, they had unusual rain, so everything was beautifully green that you can obviously you can see with wildflowers everywhere. And just standing at the mountaintop looking down at all these the homes and the villages and everything, it's like um, it was just overwhelming at times. And the Lord had brought uh, to my mind the scripture in John uh, 4.35 where he says, Look, lift up your eyes. <clears throat> For the, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And I'll never forget because it was a very humbling experience to think that, sorry, <laughs> that God would choose us to go there and be such a tiny, tiny part of what God is doing there. And I will never forget it. And I would go back again in a second. And. <laughs> I was truly blessed and honored to be a part of this team. And now you guys know where I get it. (laughs) Thank you, honey. Okay, I I want to share uh, something um, 
that Paul shared. In Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas got back from a missionary journey and they reported to their their senders and they reviewed what all God had done. And God is amazing what he is doing. It was our, our joy of seeing the impact of God's mercy on the people of the reef. I'm going to give you a really quick snapshot because I've only got a few minutes. But um, since the earthquake in 2004, the builder volunteers have completed about 80 homes. You have seen pictures of the work being done. It's um, The physical effect on the people of the reef are obvious. You know, they have homes where they were living in tents. But the... The touching of their souls is uh, its undescribable, really. I mean, the people of Morocco in the, in the reef there, they, they talk of the Christian builders that come from America to bring hope. That, <laughs> you know, most of the, uh, the men that you've seen around all the slides here, the, the Moroccan men, almost all of them are now Christian baptized believers. And it's just amazing. They've, I think there's numbers around 75 or 80 now in, the, in North Morocco. So they are our brothers in Christ. The very first Thursday that we were there, we'd been there a couple of days, these three young men came, had dinner with us, and they shared their testimony. And I think Brian touched on this. But the contrast in their lives, the contrast between Islam and Christianity, I mean, they could see... Um, they almost quoted, by your fruits you will know them. <laughs> they, they kind of paraphrased that, but that's exactly what they were, they were saying. Um, being a servant to them it was so foreign. And for them to be a servant to others, it was like, what are you, know, what are you talking about? It, it was uh, just very strange. But they've seen it happen. They've seen it work in their, in their lives. And it was just so encouraging hearing these men talk about their love of Jesus, and they thanked us for coming and loving them. Just It was just the best ever. <laughs> uh, the next Sunday, a man called Abracotter came. Oh, there's old Habib, wonderful Habib. Uh, Abracotter is kind of a spiritual, Christian, kind of a spiritual leader of the North Moroccan tribes. He's been a Christian a long time. He had been working with Willie for years, I mean literally probably 20 years, and very little, um, very very few people had come to, to the Lord. <coughs> but after the earthquake happened, an imam came to him. An imam is a spiritual, um, um, Islamic spiritual teacher in the mosque. And this imam came to him, his wife's kidneys had failed, and um, Willie and Abracotter befriended him, and uh, to this day, four and a half years later, they're still paying for uh, kidney dialysis for this imam. Well, this, uh, this imam has been very touched, and through the Bible studies, uh, they gave him a Bible four years ago. He has read it 12 times and studies it, compares it to the Quran. He believes the Bible. He believes the teaching of Jesus. And he came that day to... Uh, 
It was amazing. He came that day to be baptized. And he shared his conversion with us. And he said, the, the uh, Islam does not compare to Christianity. He said that Jesus' words are true, and he's accepted Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. And he, he wanted to use, he uses the word covenant. He said, I want to make a covenant with Jesus by being baptized. Very important, baptism. They look at baptism like we should be looking at baptism. But they, I mean, this is a life change. I mean, he, he is no longer Islam. He is Christian in an Islamic country. And he still teaches in the mosque Islamic people. But he teaches them every Friday out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh. So, praise God for the work that uh, Friends of the Reef are doing in Morocco. I ask you to pray for this man, for his protection, for him and his family. Because he is, uh, he's really laying it on the line. And, uh, you know, I'm totally out of time, but there's so much more, so many more men that I would like to share their testimonies about how uh, God has blessed the, the people in Morocco. Um, for us here, you know, where is our Morocco? You know, it's good going there, but we have Moroccos in our neighborhood. So, I would uh, just encourage everyone to kind of look at your heart and see where your Morocco is. And if it is there, next year we're going back. And uh, I want to thank Chuck and Lynn Keene and their family because they went uh, a couple of years ago with us. And um, let's see. Where's Lori? Yeah, Lori and Josh Harnden. Thank you guys very much. And they, they all ask about you guys. So, um, and I've had about four people so far this year talking about next year. So we would love to take a team of about about 10 people max. And uh, but just pray about it. Uh, you ladies, I tell you, you will be blessed. Because us guys were very blessed. But I think the ladies have uh, just a different kind of a opportunity to uh, show the love of Jesus to these to these ladies. Thank you very much. And shalom. Uh, Let's just take some time and thank the Lord. What an amazing... You guys did a great job sharing too, team. Thank you very much. Very, very powerful. It's a great kindness, Jesus, that you let, let us be involved in something like this and to send a team like 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 the team we were able to send and and to hear the reports of what you're doing thank you so much for your lavish grace and mercy to us this is all your your goodness to us and we receive it as that and give you praise for it thank you for the teammates that were willing to take time away from work take hits on their income take risks, move into unknown territory 
in obedience to your call and you met them. And we can tell they would all go again. Thank you for your grace in their lives. Thank you for this Muslim cleric, Imam, who was baptized. We do pray for him, Lord, that you would protect him, protect his life, protect his position there. Meet him, Lord. Give him courage. Give him peace. And Lord, move upon us. I I pray, Lord, that right now, Holy Spirit, you would be calling some here to go to Morocco next year. Right now, I pray that you just bring your power upon us. I pray, Lord, that you this morning, right now, would be calling some here to, to give their lives, to move to a place like this or wherever some unreached people group, I pray that you would do that right now. That there would be such love for you, Jesus, such joy in the cross, such desire to glorify your name, that there would be a fearlessness and a a total abandonment to your cause that would come upon some specifically moving in the direction of vocational missions work. And just like Jerry said, so truly, Lord, would you Give us fresh eyes to see our neighborhood and our workplace and that we would feel your compassion for people that we see every day, that we would serve them, that we would enter into their lives and listen to them and love them and get to know them and and share the truth of who you are with them. So do that, Lord, we pray. But we thank you so much for all the answered prayer for the Morocco team and for all that you are doing there. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.